Forty Futures is a speculative fiction series about the criminal justice system, written and read by Jason Taché. Perp walk. All right, walk on the mat as you'd normally walk, commanded Officer Trent. One at a time now. We can't have more than one of you on the mat at a time. In the back of the police substation, the officer took a seat behind a monitor with a split screen. The left side was looping a video of green, cartoonish outlines of feet, walking a step at a time. The right side was blank. The six assembled men of similar height and weight looked with curiosity at the rubber mat laid out in front of them. Yellow and black cords snaked on the cracked concrete floor to the officer's desk. The buzz from the fluorescent lighting droned in the background. As the first man walked across the mat, red feet lit up the right side of the officer's screen. Now walk back across the way you came, the officer ordered. The man did as he was told. The feet on the screen were still red. All right, you're free to leave. He didn't look up from the screen as he waved the man away. Next! Another and the man after him all did the same, all producing red cartoon feet on the right side of the officer's screen. They, too, were excused. The fourth man took three steps on the mat before the cartoon feet turned green. Trent's heart jumped and his eyes went big as he looked up from the screen at the man, making eye contact with him for the first time. Do it again, he said, pointing at the man on the mat, trying to hide his excitement. Walk back across the mat a few more times. Dutifully, the man marched back and forth. The feet on Trent's screen remained green. He looked closer, the pronation of the right foot, the slight drag of the left heel. It all matched up. Could there be another person in the city with the same walk? Sure, but what were the chances that they were leaving the convenience store at Franklin in Utah right after it was held up? Constitutionally, insignificant, he thought. By his estimation, the city's investment in smartcrete sidewalks gave him enough for an arrest. Trent dismissed the other two men in the lineup and looked at the man on the mat, who stared back blankly. He unhooked the cuffs from his belt and started to read the man his rights as he slowly walked him to his holding cell. Hello and welcome to 40 Futures. This is Jason Taje. This is episode four, Perf Walk. We just went through the story of this unnamed man being arrested on gait analysis, you know, the way that he walked and the the things that I like to do with this commentary section of the podcast is kind of answer the question of, well, how did we get there? What's going on today that could bring us to this particular future where, you know, someone walking on a mat in the back of a police substation could be arrested for, for the pronation of their foot. When I was writing this piece, there were three things floating around in my head that uh, kind of all came together as a confluence in this particular story. It was the idea of smart cities, and secondly, kind of, I guess as a subset, but is its own thing, smart concrete, and then last, the gate analysis itself as a, as a forensic tool in criminal investigations. So I'm just going to hit those one at a time and, and then pull it together at the end. So when we're talking about smart cities, I mean, we could be talking about any number of things. It's a suitcase term that incorporates a lot of different types of technologies or approaches to urban development. But at its core is that 
A smart city uses modern technology to track and aid services and maintenance of a city. Uh, and it's just that simple, or at least that broad. And this, this could be any number of things. There was this example out of Toronto, a, a Google subsidy called, or rather an alphabet subsidy called Sidewalk Labs, was going to develop this neighborhood called Quayside. And in it, there was going to be renewable energy grid that everything was hooked up to, public Wi-Fi, of course, so everyone can use their Android phones as they're walking around. And, and every aspect of the area would collect data. So whether it's a light post or even in the case of Quayside uh, sidewalks, they were going to be heated uh, as well as have lights and be able to track kind of traffic uh, density on, on those sidewalks. And we see these ideas, usually we see them not as like a cohesive city that is being, or neighborhood in the case of Quayside that's being built just on its own, but rather individual one-off projects. Maybe it is a, a street lamp system that picks up noise, like gunshot detection, or it is a heated sidewalk, like in the in the case of Toronto. But what it really comes down to is like smart city or really smart anything. You, you can just pull the word smart and put surveilled in there instead because it's the same thing. Basically, anything that is smart is tracking and anything that is tracking is surveillance. And so in the case of the Toronto project, it ended up getting pulled because one, the company that was there doing the project was being too private about how people's data were, were going to be used, uh, which super... Uh, disconcerting for what should be a public project at, at, at the larger level. And we see this in justice systems. We see this in all levels of government is that every time we bring in one of these companies, it's this privatization that's going on of public utilities in space uh, and, and creating this uh, surveillance scenario, both for the company and presumably there would be data sharing with, with local law enforcement in the city itself. You know, ultimately, as I said, the Toronto project didn't pan out. However, it is a model. The smart city model is one that is cropping up around the world. There's one in uh, South Korea. I believe it's Dubai has uh, a model as well. And we'll see these smaller projects creep up uh, more and more, I suspect, as time goes on. And as I mentioned in that Toronto project, concrete that does a little bit more than just being concrete was being played with. At least in the academic sense, and I'm unaware of this being deployed anywhere, concrete can now be poured around monitors that can capture pressure and could be used in infrastructure like dams, for example, to let engineers know where the pressure is coming uh, in a particular dam. Or smart creek also, at least again in the academic sense, can also be self-healing. And this is super interesting to me just because uh, I think we th we think of concrete as probably a pretty dumb thing I mean it's just a bunch of broken up chunks of rock that we then got to congeal together and to form a structure for somewhere between 20 and 60 years and now we're going to be putting additive elements into it that increase supposedly its functionality but also its ability to capture information a at the moment where what academic literature I could find on the topic, its ability to capture things as small and as specific as a foot 
uh, or, or the way a person walks does not currently exist. But I, I could see the level of like nuance that Smart Creek could pick up, only improving over time as the technology is, is refined and, and tried out in more and more scenarios. Which then gets us to this idea of like gate analysis and, and what its role is in criminal justice forensics, like the, the forensic quote unquote science that is used by law enforcement to find perpetrators of crimes. Gate analysis is not the newest thing in the world. Uh, in, in my research for the piece, I found that its original known use, at least in a Western court system, was in the United Kingdom in the 19th century. It was, uh, a guy was fingered by an eyewitness on account of his uh, bow-legged walk, uh, and that is how he was tied to the crime that he was later convicted of. Since then, the interest in gate analysis has really increased with the increased surveillance of cities and primarily through cameras as there's been more CCTV, especially in England or, or private camera systems within the United States. There's more and more video evidence of a crime scene. And so the way that somebody walks can be used and has been used to tie people to crime scenes themselves. And now what we're seeing today in, in the current day is that this information is now being translated into basically facial recognition, but for the way someone walks. The same types of algorithms that are being used to build facial recognition systems are now being used to analyze the way people walk as compared to footage taken from crime scenes. And this raises a bunch of interesting questions about, you know, I mean, just forensic science itself is a challenged area. Uh, there was this big report that came out of the Obama administration, which basically said most forensic science isn't science in the way that we understand it, in that usually it's not replicable, it's not peer-reviewed, which are core tenets of a scientific approach. And, and forensic science lacks that, and yet we use it regularly in courts in the United States to put people in, in prison. And I suspect that gate analysis has a good chance of kind of going this same way, that like hair follicle analysis or bite analysis, which are two things that the presidential report lined out, as being circumspect, or at least at a minimum, an approach that requires us to take a closer look at not only the science itself, but also its application in court. Regardless of the accuracy of that forensic science, so in this case, gate analysis, one of the things I did also want to draw in this particular story is the role that usability and user interface, the, you know, the thing that the officer sees on his screen, does for the adoptability and purchase of these particular types of tools. So it Facial recognition in its use by police is any sign of what uh, this idea of gate analysis could be in the future, then accuracy isn't going to be their chief concern. It tends to be that vendors have their own internal audits of their product, and it turns out vendors think very highly of their product, so the accuracy is going to be good, bias is going to be low, and that's sufficient for police to consider adoption of a particular tool, especially if the user interface, what the officer sees on the screen is going to be simple and easy to use. And that's what I really wanted to draw out with focusing so much on the 
green feet, red feet on the screen is that the usability is super simple, which is only going to make it more desirable of a product for law enforcement agencies to buy, especially local law enforcement agencies where technical capacity isn't necessarily going to be as high as it would be in a federal agency. And so that was the confluence of issues I was thinking about in, in writing this particular story. This, the rise of smart cities, which are going to be more surveilled cities, the role of the smart concrete that kind of has its inklings in academia at the moment, but I suspect is only going to become more common in the future. And then lastly, that the next generation of gate analysis and what that's going to look like once we have a different form of data capture in the form of kind of the smart crete sidewalks that I lay out in this particular show. And so that's how we get there. And with that, I am going to leave it there. As always, thank you for listening to 40 Futures. For links to what I talked about today, check out justicetech.download. That is the URL. Also, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at J, the letter, T-A-S-H-E-A, that's J Tashe, or hit respond on the email if you're getting this through the newsletter. This is a project written, recorded, and produced by me, Jason Tashe. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll be back in your feed next Thursday. Until then, take care.